listening to First Church Charlotte. I'm excited to bring the word of the Lord to you today. I'm excited to be in church today. My wife and I had a wonderful uh, couple's vacation. Many of you asked me, did I bring the kids? The answer is no, I did not bring the kids. Uh, so that's how that goes. We had a most lovely time just holding hands and staring into each other's eyes for 14 hours a day. After 27,000 years of marriage, that's easy to do. I know, six. But we started kissing the year before we got married, so I was counting kisses. You were like being all formal. So anyway, uh, that's more information than you really needed. <laughs> Honored to have you all in the house. Great to have my my family here. Uh, Brother Licio has done a great job since I started teaching him how to preach. And uh, my sister is one of my best vocal students. And so they had a, a great time here. Uh, and I know we all of us had a great time with them. Uh, several people received the Holy Ghost. If I don't know that, I'd have left earlier. So... Um, Anyway, praise God. I am going to read uh, scripture uh, in your hearing today. If you would like to turn with me to Luke chapter number 11. Uh, why don't we, I know you just sat, but very quickly because you need the cardio. Uh, let's stand one more time and then I'll sit you down and we will be, you will be ensconced for a long two hour sermon and be well rested. Who said no? Not one of my staff. I know one of my I know one of my staff did not say no. I know that. See, Jesus saved me. All righty, so here we are, Luke chapter number 11. So Jesus said to them, well, I'm reading at verse number two. Let me read at verse number one. Now it came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Say that with me, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. And so at verse number two, Jesus begins to teach them the Lord's Prayer, which is uh, maybe, at least in my own way of thinking, the most beautiful prayer that has ever been offered. You will have heard that very quickly. Drop down with me to what he says at the end of the prayer. He says, ending the prayer, but deliver us from the evil one or in another one of the synoptic gospels deliver us from evil and then at verse number five without seeming much pause just continuing one idea to another say to him friend lend me three loaves i have i have a friend who has come to visit me i need bread uh, that 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 neighbor doesn't want to do it and he says don't trouble me uh, i'm not getting up and the, jesus says even though that individual at verse number eight, I say unto you that though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, somebody say persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek, you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. So I'm preaching today from this theme, do not disturb. And I want to address this issue of how we respond to that feeling, that emotional reality that life's 
struggle, trial, even God has hung a do not disturb sign on the door of our prayers. Before you're seated, fist bump your neighbor and say, you know you ain't hanging out a do not disturb sign on me. You will give me some bread. Tell them. So you're going to go. I will wake you up. Amen. I want to start by reminding you of something you know, but it's important that you reiterate in your life, in your devotion, in your business, in your relationships, and nearly everywhere else. You need to get this. You need to hold tight to it. And it's simply this. Persistence matters. So I'm going to say it again, and y'all pretend like you heard me this time. Persistence matters. Uh, I want to, if possible, show you some things scripturally today. And I want this theme to resound within your heart, within your mind. I want it to be something that you, you don't simply hear, but you get as a spiritual truth. Because this is one of the most consistent lessons shown in the Word of God from Old Testament to New Testament. I'm going to give you a real quick whirlwind tour of some stories today. Just this lesson illustrated in them repeatedly of how persistence matters. Persistence matters. One of my favorite church jokes is the joke about the the farmer who was the only one to show up on a snowy Sunday morning. And his preacher asked him, he said, well, uh, should I preach to you since you're the only one here on a Sunday snowy morning? And the man said, well, yeah, if only one of my cows showed up, I'd sure feed him. So the pastor told him to take a seat and he started preaching. First hour passed, second hour passed, the third hour passed. He got done. He said, well, brother farmer, what did you think of my message? And the farmer said, most of you guys know this old church joke. Well, if only one of my cows came to eat, I sure wouldn't feed him the whole barn. (laughs) Persistence matters. Persistence matters. This theme is repeatedly shown to us scripturally. In fact, the text we read, we'll start with this, is the story of the disciples being, as it were, on the fringes of Jesus' prayer. Have you? I hope you've had the opportunity to hear someone pray who really knew how to pray. And they knew how to pray at a level where they lost track of the people who were around them. They set aside the, the context of their surroundings and they focused all of their heart and all their mind upon touching the Lord. Incidentally, that is how we're supposed to come to church. Amen. We're supposed to come to the house of the Lord. We're supposed to focus our heart and our mind on touching the Lord. You need to forget about the other stuff in your life. Can I have a big amen? And you need to say, I am here to touch the hem of his garment. You need to focus on his presence. You need to summon up in your spirit reverence for the presence of God. If cutting up with your neighbor hinders that, you need to quit cutting up with your neighbor. If looking around to see who has on a new dress hinders that, you need to close your eyes. Although the Bible does say, why? and pray. But maybe you should look heavenward while you pray. I want you to see that's what we're trying to do here at church. That's why our church has a certain feel to it. That's why our church, our services, when we do it right, we feel as though we are unified in the pursuit of the presence 
of God. Can I have a big apostolic amen? I want our worship services to feel like that. I want our praise songs to feel like that. I want our prayer times to feel like that. I am single-minded right now in the house of God calling upon the name of the Lord. I know I've got troubles. I know I've got troubles, but for a little while, this is a safe place. Somebody say a sanctuary. For a little while, this is a safe place where I get to forget about who did me wrong song. I got to quit fighting with my spouse or my girlfriend or my boyfriend. I don't have a boyfriend, just so you know. I do have a girlfriend, though, just so you know. I want you to see just for a little while, we carve out some space of our week and say, this is not about my to-do list. This is not about my wishes and my wants. This is about the presence of God in my life. That's why if we're in the habit of praising God like this, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of God, it is all in You're doing it wrong. That's not how you do it. You pick your song. You focus your heart. You bring your attention into focus. And you say that song from your soul. You worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so it is. So it is that you see these disciples on the fringes of Jesus' prayer. And they're stirred by it. And they're stirred. They're, they're, it's as though the plow of spiritual unction is run through the hard soil of their spirit. And they say, man, I need to learn how to pray. I need to learn how to pray. I need to learn how to pray. I think I've been playing games. I hope someone today feels some spiritual unction breaking up the hard places your heart. I need, I need to learn how to do that. I need to learn how to focus my attention. I need to learn how to lay some junk down. I know I have junk, but I don't know if I know how to lay it down. You need to be just as the disciples are stirred on the fringes of Christ's passionate, heaven-stirring prayer. They say, my goodness, would you teach us to pray? The first thing Jesus shows them is how to pray in it's a form. It's a structure. You start with worship, acknowledging the nature of God. Hallowed be thy name. After worship comes submission. This is a heart check. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not my kingdom and my will. Thy kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see the structure and the form of prayer. I want you to see how the, the Lord's prayer becomes structure how we approach the presence of God, the major themes that correct our spirit, forgiving debts and asking for forgiveness. Note the linkage there. You don't get one without the other. You see the structure and the form of prayer. That's what Christ gives us in the Lord's prayer. But he does not stop speaking after he's given us a form of prayer, a structure of prayer. He then is going to give you an attitude attitude of prayer. I don't care if you like it or not. That's good stuff right there. That's not just a structure and form of prayer. You need to get the spirit of prayer. Somebody say the spirit, the attitude. You need to get the attitude of prayer. You see, it doesn't simply matter what you do. How you do it matters because it is from your zeal and your passion that the kingdoms of the spiritual realms are touched and stirred from the zeal and the passion 
compassion of the people of God. All right, stay right there with me. I want to take you through some Old Testament stories very quickly so you can see them. The first story is the story of Elisha at the end of his life when Joash the king comes asking for direction. And I won't read the passage. Uh, it's, it's in the second book of Kings. Uh, but moving quickly, I, I just want to touch this. And he comes, how are we going to have victory over our enemies? And, and so the, Elisha begins to teach him in a very normal, Near Eastern style of instruction. Very ordinary in the time, very common. In fact, much of the literature of this t- time will show uh, wise men or uh, mentors or uh, the t- like teaching in this type of symbolic action. And so Elisha says, open the window, draw the bow, launch the arrow. And he says, this is symbolic of our victory over the enemies. And now he hands Joash, the young brash, mostly backslidden. Read, read the second book of Kings. He's, he's kind of about Yahweh, about Jehovah, and he's kind of about himself, and he's kind of about other things, and he's not very zealous. And this is going to show forth in his opportunity to symbolize God's gift of victory in his life. And now the prophet hands him an arrow and says, strike the ground. How does lackadaisical people strike the ground in a lackadaisical way? How do lazy Christians serve God in a lazy Way. How do sissified believers serve God in a sissified way? I'm trying to give you some good King James depth here today. And so this king taps the ground in a sissified, lackadaisical, lazy way. He goes tap, tap, tap. He knows this is symbolic instruction. He knows uh, you can't hide your heart. You can say the right things, but your life is talking to. And if you're not zealous, it's going to show. You won't be able to cover it with the pretense of the sacred. Your heart will show. First church, we want our zeal to show through in our life. We don't want to just be proper on Sunday. We want to be on fire on Monday. Yes, yes, yes. That's some fine preaching. We don't want to just wave our hands and clap our hands and go through it on Sunday. We want to be zealous in our lives. You can't hide your lying eyes. Actually, let me rephrase that. You can't hide your lackadaisical heart because even when you're forewarned, this is symbolic of victories to come. When you're given an arrow, you lackadaisically tap the ground. Do you see? He should have tapped the ground with a little bit more persistence. Somebody say persistence. He should have tapped the ground with a little bit more persistence. persistence and the prophet is angry at him because the prophet knows the real problem is not gaming God's system the real problem is the zeal we keep burning or not burning in our heart and the prophet says I wish you'd have done it at least five or six times but now you're going to know victory but not live in victory 
You're going to experience joy, but you're not going to live in joy. Old oh, church, we don't want to just experience joy. We want to walk in joy. We don't want to just experience victory. We want to stand in victory. We don't want to just have a good time on good services. We want to take a good time in the spirit to a hungry world. So, image from the Old Testament. Let me give you another quick image from the Old Testament. Jeremiah, his life is threatened, cast into the dungeon, put into stocks, threatened for his life, but he will not keep, he will not stop preaching. He is persistent. The Apostle Paul, throughout the whole of his life, he's oppressed on every side, but he refuses to get very discouraged about it. He's beat up on every day that ends with a Y, but he's He refuses to give up on the call of God on his life. On and on and on in the scripture, Job, you ought to curse God and die. But he refuses to curse God and from the kingdom God promised you. He said, no, God will join to me the people that I will lead. And the Lord sends everyone who is oppressed and everyone who is afflicted. And out of their nothingness comes a divine army for David's kingdom on and on. Abraham, are you still believing the promise? You can't even have a child anymore. In fact, when reminded of the promise, your wife has a good belly laugh. That's a bad sign, Abraham. Just just want to point that out. That's just not a good sign. He's still believing. Do you see persistence, persistence, persistence? I want you to see in the story, I want you to see how Jesus is not just teaching a form of prayer. He's teaching an attitude of prayer. He's not just preaching a way of divine approach. He is teaching a persistence of spiritual necessity. He's not just showing you how to speak flowery words. He's showing you how to wear your knuckles out, knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. And he uses this example. This is the example. It is of a gentleman who has a friend come in unexpected and they've been long on the journey and they're hungry and they don't have anything to eat and they arrive at his house and because they are in his house he feels responsibility toward them I want you to notice he's not asking for bread for himself he knew night was coming he made preparations he's asking for bread for someone else this is the spiritual image of the intercessor He's praying for bread for someone else. If it was just for him, he might have allowed himself to wait till morning. But this was for someone else. Your prayers will never be more powerful than when you pray intercessory prayers for someone else. And you say, this is not just a prayer for me. This is me believing for someone else. Oh, church, persistence is not just so you can get the job you want. Persistence is so your unsaved loved ones will have prayers chasing them into every error, every mistake, every troublesome decision. They won't be able to get away from your prayers. You are knocking on the door as an intercessor. Hear me today. I confess in ministry so often we pray prayers that it feels as though it's a waste of everybody's time. 
It seems as though someone has hung a do not disturb sign on the door of our request. And you just feel silly sometimes knocking on a door because you know they have politely and insistently reminded you not to bother them. In fact, they were so concerned that you leave them alone, they put a sign out there and here you are knocking. Am I doing the right thing? Am I, should, I, should I just stop praying? Jesus doesn't just give you a form of prayer. Here in chapter 11 of the book of, of Luke, he gives you an attitude of prayer. And so I've come to tell every one of you who stand in the gap for something, somebody, you pray for revival, you pray for outpouring, you pray for anointing. It's not time to be polite. You, hear me. You have divine permission to be an irritation. I'm going to try the same thing over here because this side's somewhat more spiritual. Okay. You have divine permission to be an irritation. Jesus, mm, 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 man, if I could preach, my, Jesus didn't just give you a form of prayer. He gave you an attitude of prayer. He didn't just give you a way of prayer. He gave you an attitude of prayer. And so here I am, Lord, and I'm knocking, I'm knocking, and I'm knocking, and I'm knocking. And I said, I'm knocking some more. And I know there's this big do not disturb sign, and I feel a little awkward. But then again, it was your idea. You were the one who told me uh, I should keep knocking and your friend why doesn't he want to get up because back in this day the houses are small they're one room and uh, everybody sleeps either on the floor or on a raised platform uh, that they have constructed and they either fold down or they set down from the walls where they are tilted up and they they have, have any of you ever went on a camping trip and stayed in a tent and tried to move around in the tent after dark without a flashlight. You will step on everybody in that tent. You will be cussed seven ways from Sunday because you're stepping on people's hair. You're stepping on their legs. Hopefully that's all you're stepping on. Um, <laughs> you, you cannot see what you're doing. It's a small space. There's people everywhere. And he's like, my kids are all spread out. I, I can't come back tomorrow. And the Lord says, no, you have, you have permission to be an irritation. If you will keep knocking and if you won't give up, they will get up and help you. Not because they're happy about it, but because you wouldn't stop. I want you to see I want you to see again and again the scriptures, the stories from Old Testament to do. Let me just give you a, a, a handful of more. Of more. There's a Gentile woman who she comes being, crying out to faith, Lord, to heal her daughter. And the Lord's like, uh, I'm sent to the house of the house of Israel. That's who I'm, I'm sent to. Uh, and, and she could have been offended. I know we probably would have been. Uh, people are so touchy nowadays, you're just terrified what you can and can't say. But this woman had divine permission to be an irritation and she would not stop asking and even the disciples were like my God make her go away and the Lord says to her such great faith have I not seen you see he had told her I am not 
called to the house you're from. I'm called to the house of Israel. And she says uh, this. Yes, Lord. I'm not going to argue about that. You can even call me a dog, Lord. But I want you to know, even dogs get a crumb from the master's table. And the Lord changes his tone. Why does he change his tone? Because you have permission to be an irritation. He says, oh, woman, great is your faith. And from that moment, she receives a miracle. Would you like some more stories from the Bible? Not just on the form and structure of prayer, but on the attitude and the heart of prayer. There is a story of a widow woman and an unjust judge. And he has settled this case and been done with it. He doesn't want to deal with it. He wants to move on. But she has divine permission to be an irritation. And she goes every day. I am here again and I'm asking for justice. And I'm here again and I'm asking for justice. And I'm here again and I'm asking for justice. Surely Jesus didn't tell us another story on the attitude of prayer. But that is exactly what we have. And she receives her miracle. I want you to hear me today. You have permission to be a spiritual irritation. It's actually more than that. We're not done. We're not even close. There's a woman with the issue of blood and she is held back by everybody and people are mad because she's jumping in line and she's pushing her way. Excuse me, sir. Pardon me, ma'am. Excuse me. I know you're here to be entertained. I'm here to touch him. And so you can hate me if you want to. I don't mean bad, but you're here to see a show. I'm here for a miracle. Just so you know the difference in you and me. And I'm going to, mm, I'm going to live out for you. The difference between being here for a show and being here for a miracle. Here's the difference right here. Excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Oh, I think I'll just go to, ah, 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 get, ah, no, excuse me. Pardon, mm, ah, ah, I've got to touch him. Ah, I, I've got to touch him. Ah, I've got, I've got to touch him. Ah, I've got to. touched me. Peter's always, I love helpful people. Peter's like, Lord, you're in a crowd. (laughs) Everybody's touching you. Lord's like, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about people touching me on accident. You've been doing that for years, Peter. I'm talking about somebody who came with a made up mind. They had permission to be an irritation. The woman with the issue of blood is granted miraculous healing because she would not be denied. And the stories go on. And the stories go on. So we do not just learn. I'm almost done. This is come. We do not just learn the form and structure of prayer. We learn the attitude and the heart of prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm offering a prayer from First Church to you right now. This is my prayer. Don't let us stop with just a form and a a plan or a format, a layout, an outline. 
teach us the attitude of prayer, which says, I'm here again with your permission to ask. And so I'm asking today and every day from this day forward, so help me God. claim a revival in East Charlotte. We claim a revival in West Charlotte. We claim a, sh- a revival in the communities that fringe this city. We claim a revival in the neighborhood right back over here. There's, there's thousands of houses right back over here, Lord Jesus. There's thousands of houses right over here. There's thousands of houses right over there. So I'm asking today, with your permission, to be an irritation. Let the rain fall. Church, I'm glad you learned the Lord's Prayer. And I'm glad you know the form of prayer. But how you doing on the heart of prayer? How you doing on the attitude of prayer? So in interests of being spiritually vulnerable before God today. How many of you have a prayer that you prayed a lot, but then you kind of quit praying it? I'm going to raise my hand first. How many of you have a prayer? You prayed it a lot, but you kind of quit. I'm giving you permission to get back to being a real jerk. during the earlier service today. The first obvious one that you all would know is to check your prayer that you've been asking for a long time and, 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 and be, confess to the Lord that if you're asking amiss, a perfect example is when you ask for something that's more about your kingdom than God's kingdom. That's asking amiss. Secondly is if you ask for something that would destroy you, but you don't have the spiritual sense to know it. God for unanswered prayers. The third thing is when you're praying for others, are you praying at them in frustration? Are you praying for them in intercession? So I did an example in the earlier service and I did it with with Robert Mitchell. And so I'm going to pick on, let's see who I can pick on today. I'm going to pick on on Brother Chuck. Uh, We're glad to have somebody we can pick on give the church, Brother Chuck. I'm going to give the church. You can stay there. I'm just going to look right at you, okay? Um, so so I appreciate you obeying your wife, though. That's a beautiful spirit. Dude, you're going to heaven. Just just stay behind her. You'll be fine. Um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to pray at him, and then I'm going to pray for him. Because if you're praying for somebody, and what you're really doing is praying at them, that's not the work of the intercessor. When I pray at I would be expressing frustration by praying at him rather than praying for him. So I pray for Brother Chuck and I'm praying at him 
Lord, I pray for Brother Chuck. It just irritates me that he has more money than I do. How is it, Lord Jesus, I pray you'd make him sweeter to me and give me some of that money. I'm mad that his wife loves him more than my wife loves me. It just, it just, it just makes me feel long. I'm, you see how if we're not careful, prayer turns into venting and not intercession. I'm praying at somebody. Lord, fix him. You know he's not living right. Well, how would you know? You see what I'm saying? Here's a good test that I do in my own life. If I can't be thankful for them while I'm praying, I'm probably praying at them and not for them. And so the difference is this. I'm not praying at Brother Chuck. I'm praying for Brother Chuck. And I say, oh God, I want to thank you for my brother. I want to thank you for the gifts and the anointings you have placed in his life. Lord, I pray you would open the windows of heaven in his life. I pray you'd bless him financially. I pray you would anoint him spiritually. I pray his prayers would be effective. You see, now I'm not praying at him. I'm praying for him. First was a symptom of frustration and even jealousy. The second is spiritual intercession. But if you are not asking amiss and you are not asking an error, something that would destroy you if it ever happened. Third, if you are not praying for someone in the manner of praying at them, venting, rather than praying for them, intercession, if you cover those bases, I'm telling you, you have permission to ask and ask and ask and knock and knock and knock. And it will feel like all of life has tried to put a do not disturb sign on the door of your prayer. But God gave you permission to ignore the do not disturb signs spiritually in your life and say, I'm standing here and I'm claiming it in Jesus' name. I'm standing here and I'm asking again. I'm praying for my unsaved loved ones. I'm praying for unsaved children that are represented by parents here today. I'm praying for apostolic anointing. I'm praying for miracle signs and wonders. Lord, I'm not asking amiss. I'm not asking for you to elevate me. I'm not asking for the kingdoms of the flesh. But Lord, I'm asking for an outpouring of divine spirit and divine truth in this house. Oh God, I'm praying that this city would experience and I'm not going to stop today. I'm praying this same prayer tomorrow. I'm going to knock. I'm going to knock. I'm going to knock. I'm going to knock. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to see this, and then we'll all stand together. I have not scratched the surface of the illustrations in the Bible of people who would not stop asking. So for all of you who have stopped asking for something you once asked for, consider this your heavenly notice to get back to believing and get back to praying and get back to claiming. You have permission to be an irritation. Let's all stand. Would you step speak, Lord Jesus? Yes,
step out of your chair right now. I'd like everyone who will to come down to the front. Every one of you who have had a prayer request, you need to hear the word of the Lord today. You need to respond to the unction of the Spirit here today. And you need to join the, the call and the anointing that is in this house here today. We're going to turn this whole house into a prayer meeting for a little while. I feel the, the Spirit of God striving with us and reaching for us. Oh, Lord Jesus, we hear your voice. Lord Jesus, we respond to your call. Lord Jesus, we are not grow, going to grow weary in intercession. We are not growing, going to give up in asking, but as true intercessors, we're going to ask today. We're going to ask today. We're going to ask today. We're going to ask tomorrow, and we are going to keep asking. Would all of you make a place right now? Would you call upon the name of the Lord all across this house here today? In Jesus' name. listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.